All right, welcome pilgrims. This is Ash here. Thank you again for joining into this episode. Uh, apologize for the hiatus of uh, getting these out to all of you. Uh, there has been a family matter uh, over the last few weeks uh, that has taken precedent. And so I thank you for your patience, uh, but we're back and we can continue the show. Uh, I hope you were encouraged with the last episode on the gospel, and I hope that it challenged you to examine the gospel that you have heard and believed in. Uh, on a note of the gospel, uh, if you have a Netflix account and are in Australia and in the United States and a few, I think a few other countries, American Gospel, the documentary, has just been released on that platform, and you should go check it out because uh, it really helped change the way I view a lot of things. Uh, and and it could be a great encouragement to you. Uh, but today we are going to uh, look at a further point from the gospel. Uh, we're going to unpack a little bit more. And to do that, I am joined by a very dear friend of mine, Josh Parker. He, in the last year, has been a great encouragement to me uh, in my walk and has helped me unpack more of what the Bible has to say and how to live in a godly way and he's also a really great physio so uh he's been been helping me with my back problems too uh but josh joins us today why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself josh hi ashley yeah, no, thank you for having me here um yeah my name is josh as ash said and um i work uh, full-time as a physiotherapist um i'm also um one of the lay elders at uh Dremoyne baptist church i go to church with ash and um, yeah, it's a great privilege uh, to be able to yeah, serve in that capacity and um, yeah, serve the people there. So yeah, Brilliant. that's me. And you are about to become a dad as well I am. for the first time. I am. I have a beautiful wife and um, a godly wife and uh, we have a baby boy coming. So we're great news. In, could be in the next week or so. <laughs> Who knows? God knows. God knows. And how is isolation? Because we're doing this during the, the great quarantine of the world. Uh, how how has isolation been for you, your household work, that kind of stuff? Yeah, so I'm still working in a clinic. And um, yeah, my, my work has been, in terms of patients, down to a capacity of about 50%. It's now around 70%. Um, so... Yeah, no, that's fine. The The Lord's given me extra time to be able to get things ready for the baby and um, support my wife. She's working as a uh, teacher part-time and uh, she's been working mainly from home. So, mm. yeah, it, yeah, I think life in one sense is similar for me, except yeah. the biggest thing I miss is, is gathering with um, with church family. So, yeah, yeah it's been <laughs> that's probably been the biggest struggle. Is it, It's been good, though, in a sense, because it makes you realise how much you you need it and uh, but yeah i i'll go crazy that church is is on online church in quotations yeah uh, so last episode we discussed what is the gospel and there's a key component uh, of the gospel being the good news that we need to unpack i believe uh, which is the bad news and that is that we have an issue which is sin now the bible speaks a lot about sin uh, a lot of pastors seem to not want to touch the subject of sin uh, but what is sin what by definition because I think a lot of people can think sin can be different things it can mean different things uh, I've been in places that uh, people have said sin is just mess 
or it's just the bad stuff in your life uh, or brokenness, or brokenness. Uh, but is it more than that is is it deeper than that is sin is is sin something that we need to really take seriously mm. i think yeah it's definitely important to understand sin because it it's it's the bad news by which the good news would not be good mm. if we didn't understand the bad news i mean a, a patient won't take a medicine unless they actually perceive that they're in danger or mm. they're sick um, and so the the, the grace uh, that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ um, would not be seen in any light unless we need it. And that's why when people come to know Christ, they first must know um, their sin and their need for Christ. Um, but yeah, our understanding of, of what sin is, and uh, it's been summarized in this way, sin uh, is any lack of conformity to or transgression of the law of God. Uh, and that's found in the uh, Westminster um, Shorter Catechism and, and Larger Catechism. And essentially what it means is that sin is, is defined in terms of God's law. Uh, in, in 1 John it says that sin is lawlessness. Uh, and so we come into, I guess, two types of sin here where sin is failing to do what we should and it's also doing bad things which we shouldn't. Um, and so when we're told to do good, um, we fail to do it. For example, we do not... Uh, revere God and honor him as we should but we also um, commit uh, sins for example we, we lie and we transgress God's law in that way so um, yeah two, two, type, two types of sin and, and they're, they're termed as uh, sins of commission where you commit something bad and sins of omission where you fail to do something good um, but in a sense it goes deeper than just uh, doing those things it's uh, it's as Arsene Sproul says. It's cosmic treason, mm. um, and it's so heinous because uh, we sin. It's not just doing bad things, but we sin against a God who is perfectly good, and perfectly righteous, and perfectly just, and perfectly holy. So, um, sin is often measured on a kind of a horizontal level, and just bad things people do to each other. But ultimately, it's 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 sinning and transgressing uh, the law of of a great and perfect God. Mm. So yeah. So one of the questions that um, I've been asked in in my my walk uh, as a Christian is why does God hate sin? And I guess we kind of covered that just just through that that it it ultimately we sin against God. It's not just we sin against each other, but He is holy and perfect, uh, and that is why He hates sin. Um, but one of the questions that keeps coming up. In that, if God hates sin, but He created us, well, did He create sin? Yeah, no, He He did not create sin. Um, there are, I guess, several truths you you have to affirm. Um, the first of which is that we know that um, God cannot sin. You know, He cannot lie. He uh, He is not de- deceitful. Um, he cannot tempt anyone. The Bible says, um, and and so we know that God is not the author of sin. Uh, he's perfectly good, uh, and that sin cannot dwell with him. Evil may not dwell with him, as, as Psalm 5 says. So um, we know from that that the sin cannot come from God himself. And yet we know also that God is sovereign. It says that um, he is, he is, um, who is a God like him, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet past. So we know that God has already declared what is to come. He has ordained everything, and he works everything according to the counsel of his will. And so has God ordained sin? Yes. Mm. But is God the author of it and does it originate in him? No. Um, and 
And so in, in one sense, we are careful to protect God from, from, from slandering him and saying that he's the author of sin. And yet, in his all-wise purposes, he ordained it as part of his plan um, that we would fall into sin through Adam uh, and that um, his people would be redeemed from that sin and that he would get the glory from showing forth his grace. Mm. So does that mean everyone from Adam is a sinner? Everyone is uh, accountable and has sinned. Uh, there's no one that can escape that. Yeah. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15 it says, uh, For in Adam we all die, uh, and in Christ we are all made alive. Uh, and so the all there is different. In Adam we all, so the whole human race dies. But in Christ the all there is, is talking about his people all are made alive. But the, one of the classic texts to look at in the New Testament is Romans 5. Uh, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and that mm. talking about Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So there's a real sense, even as Adam sinned in the garden, because he was our what's called federal head, uh, we were all in Adam. Um, we are in union with him by, by our very birth, but we all sinned with him because he represented us. And it says, for, uh, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Um, now it says later on uh, in verse uh, 15, it says, Many died through one man's trespass. Later on it says, For because of one man's trespass, trespass death reigned <clears throat> through that one man. Uh, later on it says, Through Adam we are all made sinners through the one um, act of disobedience. And so... Um, that contrast there is between Adam and Christ, that in Adam all die, all are made sinners. We all sinned in Adam. Uh, and yet uh, the glorious gospel is that for all those in Christ, we are made righteous. So again, seeing that, that clear distinction between the, the bad news and the good news. Mm. So if you're not in Christ, you're in Adam. And to mm. be in Adam means that you, you inherit uh, your sinful nature from him. How, how can we share with people that can't reconcile the fact that all have sinned uh, when they look at a, a newborn baby and go, well, how are they a sinner? Is, is that like, because I think that can be the argument, well, a baby can't do any wrong kind of kind of thing. Is that is that the case? Is there a certain age that someone, right, you now start sinning? like, Or is it like, yep, you're, you're born mm. a sinner? Yeah, so the, the Bible um, <clears throat> goes further than being... It's saying that we are sinful from birth, but in um, in the Psalms, David says, "In iniquity did my mother conceive me." So, mm. from that from the very first moment of, of germination and, and conception, um, the Bible's testimony is that we are sinful. Um, not that we've committed actual sins in that sense, but we have a sin nature. Um, and so, when we come out of the womb, uh, and I'm about to have uh, a sinner born uh, <laughs> to my wife and me, uh, so I have that to look forward to. Um, uh, I mean, I'm also a sinner as well. Um, there, there is in a very real sense. The, the Bible calls um, all of us when we are born sinful from birth. Um, and yet at the same time, it says in one sense that they are innocent. Uh, and the way we reconcile this is that uh, even though we have a sinful nature, even though we have original sin and we can get into that, um, the baby when it's born hasn't necessarily committed actual sin which flows out of that original sin, that, that sinful nature that we have. Mm. If, if you think about it this way, when, when, if someone were to say, yes, a, you know, a child is innocent, uh, for any parent, uh, when they're training up their child, do you have to teach the child how to be sinful? Mm. 
No. In fact, you have to teach them uh, to be good. And in fact, you hit the age of two, etc. And, and you have to very quickly, if you haven't already, start laying down ground rules um, to curb whatever uh, sin and rebellion is manifesting itself. Um, and so, uh, we, yeah, we, we see even from for experience, let alone the, the um, testimony of God's word, that yeah, ch- children don't have to be taught how to be sinful um, because they are already um, mm. Now, in one sense, they are not as sinful, uh, if I can put it this way, as um, as someone who uh, is is blatantly living in sin. Um, for ex- for example, um, living an adulterous lifestyle, or um, uh, blaspheming God, or um, living in unbelief and pride and, and self righteousness. But um, yeah, the, yeah, the, there is the, there is um, a truth that we are all born in sin. Mm. Is there a way, uh, I know James 4 says, so whatever. Uh, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. Is there like a list of what the right things to do? Uh, is there like, I mean, because people talk about like oh, the seven deadly sins. I think everyone in pop culture knows what the seven deadly sins are in some capacity. I don't even know if that's like outside of that because people look at the cardinal sins kind of thing and go, well, I'm not that bad, but... Is there a list or is it you know right from wrong? Something inside you knows what right is morally and what wrong is. And if you don't do what's right, that's sin. Yeah. So there's several, I guess, several elements you've touched on there. And the first is uh, you said uh, whoever um, knows what to do from James uh, 4, uh, whoever knows what is right to do and yet does not do it, uh, for him that is sin. That's that's again talking about what we were saying before about sins of omission, mm. failing to do what we know to, to be right. Uh, and uh, not talking about the seven uh, deadly sins yet, but um, speaking of do we all have in some sense, uh, do, do we know what's right and what's not? Uh, well, the Bible's witness in Romans 2, it says that uh, we have the work of the law written on our hearts um, while our conscience also bears witness uh, and our accusing thoughts, sorry, our, our thoughts either accuse us or even excuse us uh, on that day of judgment. So there, there's an element there where God has given us all a conscience. Um, and, and our conscience troubles us at various times. Uh, and we see that, that everyone has a conscience. So there's, there's some kind of basic level of morality. Uh, and yet it's not as clearly defined um, and, and that's why you get variation between cultures. You get cultures which shift with time. Um, and, and you see some people who have more of a sense of right and wrong uh, than others. And, and often that's because their conscience has become hardened and dulled. Um, and uh, as they, I guess, indulge themselves more and more in sin, their, their conscience is numbed, if you like, and hardened. So they're not as, um, they're not as um, aware of sin um, and so, um, for those, for for other people, they have a, I guess a, a conscience that's more easily afflicted um, by the things uh, that they do, and often that that is one of the benefits of growing up in a Christian family, where you you get taught the things of God. And I and I see it in in, in people I know who've been who are not Christians but have been raised um, with a morality from Christian parents. Uh, their conscience, um, mm. given by God and trained up, if you like, by their parents. Um, yeah, shows forth that um, yeah, there's an innate, um, though not clearly defined always, um, inner morality that they mm-hmm. have from God. Um, and, and yet sin, as I said, dulls that. Um, but when we come to the seven deadly sins, um, 
Yeah, I heard this once and I had to look it up because uh, I, I don't even know the full list. I think yeah. there's, there's gluttony and there's pride and there's lust. Uh, lust. I think anything Envy. where there's an excess. Yeah. So a lack of self-control. Um, and the Bible never actually presents this list um, from what I can, mm. from what I can yeah. find. The, the, the only list of seven sins that I could find is uh, in Proverbs um uh, it's a proverb six, I think, where um, uh, it's it says um, six sins that the Lord hates and seven that are abomination, mm. and then it lists um, lists different sins, um, and unbelief isn't there. Um, you know, it talks about lying twice, uh, and so yeah, and 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 neither and, and lying, I don't think, makes the uh, the seven deadly sins mm. of, of pop culture. So yeah, there. There, there aren't you know seven that you just have to watch out for, and then if you've 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 got them sorted, then then you you're know, okay. You're sweet. Exactly. Um, but even one of the greatest sins, um, which is unbelief, um, and and a lack of trust in Christ, um, one of the greatest sins, the sin that will ultimately damn you, um, yeah, isn't isn't part of that list, mm. and that's the deadliest of them all. So. The, the Ten Commandments, which hold up the mirror of, of uh, God's moral law uh, to us that we may know what it is. So I've heard that, uh, that on there, blaspheming, uh, so taking the Lord's name in vain, you can only do that if you know God. And I don't know if you've heard this, uh, but yeah, I was in, it was in a Bible study and they're like, you can only blaspheme someone's name if you know them. And so it's only there for those that are a part of God's people. Uh, is that the case? Like, can I not be a Christian and then go around blaspheming and be okay because I don't know God, but I'm just using his name? Hmm. Is that like, it, or is it a serious one? Because I know that it can, it, it's quite serious. It's, hmm. uh, we see in the Old Testament how serious it can be. Hmm. Uh, is it still serious or is it kind of, eh? It's always serious yeah. uh, from the beginning of time to the end of time because God's name is worthy of being honoured mm. for all time. Um, yeah, blasphemy at the end of the day comes down to, uh, and it's the third, third of the Ten Commandments where it talks about you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Um, and um, the thing is the Bible um, in Psalm 19 and Romans 1 um, bears witness that, that everyone knows there is a God mm. um, through through his creation. They don't all know him through salvation, but they know him generally through creation. They see that there is a God. He's a, uh, Romans 1 says his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. And, that, and that's God's witness, that it's clearly seen. And yet they suppress the truth about God um, and worship the creature rather than the creator, mm. it says. So that in their sin, they suppress the truth and they convince themselves that God doesn't exist. So... Um, by by nature, we we all know that there is a God, and yet in that very real sense, we don't want to know <laughs> that there is a God. Mm. Um, and so, for someone to take the Lord's name in vain, in one sense, to to say, for example, "Oh my God," um, w- without reverence, you for you to actually say that word "God" means that you have to have some concept. I think in mm. some in some respects of the English language, um, and I'm it. it you know, in other languages as well, in um, where they, they might do it as well. But in English, when we say "Oh my God," it can be good, it can be bad. Mm. I mean, in the Psalms, Day, um, David and other psalmists will say, "My God," right? Mm. Oh my God! But it's mm. a, it's a, it's done with for worship. And worship, exactly. Yeah. 
reverence. And so um, that, that those two words in the third commandment, you shall not take the name of Yahweh your God in vain, mm. in vain. And, that, and that's the thing. If you take it without meaning it in reverence and honor, uh, and, that, and that's... That's you know that's why Jesus taught us to pray. Hallowed be your name. Mm. May your name be regarded and treated as holy, right? May it be revered and adored and honoured. And so, for someone, I sometimes talk to people and they say, you know, they might say, "Oh my God," and uh, in a, in a without meaning it. And, and I'll say to them, I'll point it out, and they go, "Oh, but I didn't mean it." Mm. And yet, that's the very point. It's yeah. in vain. They're, yeah. they're not meaning it. They don't necessarily have to mean it for bad, but they're not meaning it. For mm. honor and reverence, it's just a throwaway line. It for is. Them. It is, uh, and and our words are very important, particularly mm. when we, um, when we when we talk about God and and, and what He's done, um, and we must always treat Him with the utmost reverence. Um, and, and I know often that 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 when I'm talking about God, um, I slip into this just kind of casual talking about God, but and yet. I need to be reminded constantly that that whenever I talk about it, it must be done with reverence. Mm. Um, and so, even saying things like um, "Jesus" uh, or "Jesus" or "Jesus" "Jesus" yeah. is short for Jesus. Mm. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, yeah, it's it's the same thing. Jesus is on exactly the same level as as God, for He is God. Mm. Um, and and to take His name without reverence is uh, is a serious thing. Does that then go for any kind of sin? It's not just the action of saying it or, or doing it, but there is the thought behind it because me saying G's were like, well, I didn't say Jesus or I just write OMG, mm. but the intent is there. I'm still, people know what I'm going to be saying. Like people know mm. what I mean by it. Mm. Uh, so is it, is it not just that I, I wrote a shortened version of it or, or said a shortened version of it, but that my heart was intending to say it mm. in a way that doesn't glorify God. And is that the same across the board with, with, all kinds of sin. Is it the actioning of it, or is it is it at the thought level and, and uh, what's internally happening? Yeah, um, <clears throat> and that's a good point that um, that in fact Christ brings out in mm. the New Testament. Um, his most scathing of rebukes um, is for the religious uh, leaders of the Jews, where um, outwardly they appeared moral and righteous, and yet inwardly Jesus said it's it's like a a tomb, a whitewashed tomb. You, you know, you paint it out on the outside mm. as it looks good, it looks clean. By the inside, it's just full of dead man's bones. Mm. Uh, right. So on the inside, they're dirty while they've cleaned the outside, like like a dirty cup. You know, stained by you know after you leave it with tea, you know where it's and you leave it too long, you don't rinse it out, it gets that those tea stains. Mm. Right. Oh, you can clean the outside, but that doesn't do anything. Um, uh, you know, you've got to clean the inside. So, so Christ took it to, um, he took it to the heart, and he wasn't, um, he wasn't saying something that was new. Um, God said in the Old Testament, "You must be circumcised from the heart." Mm. Um, for Jews had this this um, outward uh, rite, if you like, this outward sign of circumcision that God had given them, and it was good to do uh, as obedience to God. And yet, God always desired something far greater, which was that they be circumcised in the heart. Um, as Ezekiel um, in the Old Testament says that he would he would sprinkle them clean from their un- from their uncleanness and that he would give them a new heart uh, and, and that's something that we see in the new covenant particularly an emphasis on um, God saying you know what uh, it's 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 about the heart um, you know these he says of the Jews these people praise me with their lips mm. while their hearts are far from me uh, and so yeah sin sin starts in the heart it germinates in the heart. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm. 
out of the abundance of the heart, if I can um, apply that further, if I, out of the abundance of the heart, the you know that the hands move, the eyes see, mm. the, um, the, the you know all of these things we we, we act, um, and so yeah, it's it's very important, uh, and that's where sin starts, and that's where we should stop sin mm. uh, before it leads to our actions. So how do we overcome sin? How do we put it to death? As a Christian, we're not saying we're perfect. And if you are listening, please understand that if, if we're not coming from a place that we've got all the answers and we're perfect, but there has been a change and we're trying to kill sin, mm. is it like, do we give it to God once or is it like an every day we have to put it to death? How can we overcome that in our lives? And can we overcome it without Jesus? <laughs> um, the answer is you need to be a Christian. Yeah. Um, because by nature, uh, and, and we'll get into this in a sec, but by nature we have no ability to put sin to death. Mm. Uh, we're enslaved by sin. We're dead to sin. Uh, and so, you know, what can a dead person do to bring themselves back to life? Mm. Nothing. What can a dead person do to... to and, and that's what the, the way the Bible speaks about it. Sin leads to death. Um, r- righteousness leads to life. And so um, there, there, there's a real element where a dead person can't do anything good. As Romans says, a, a, um, a dead person, they cannot please God. Uh, they cannot submit to God's law. Uh, and so um, the first thing is you, you need to be a Christian. Um, and there's another reason for that is... Uh, because of two main things, and that the first of which is that uh, you need to be united to Christ. Mm. Um, as it says in John 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And he says, you are the branches. And a bit further down that passage, he says, you can do nothing. And he's, he's talking about bearing fruit, uh, and fruit he's talking about um, pleasing God and, and, and bearing uh, the Christian character and, 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 uh, and all of those things. And, and he says, you can do nothing apart from from me, mm. right? You you need to be in in me, even as the branches are united to the vine, uh, and we see this throughout the whole New Testament, where we keep seeing this phrase in Him, in Christ. And I think this is a doctrine that's that's so neglected these days. That I've barely heard it um, talked about. But union with Christ, mm. that that every person who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ is spiritually united to Him, uh, and that what Christ has won for us at the cross is now ours. That it says we are seated with him in the heavenly places. And so all, all these things, everything good that Christ gets from his work yeah, is, is, is us. And, and in Christ, we have, um, we have that spiritual power to put sin to death. Uh, I mean, if you think of Peter, um, uh, there were t- two main apostles, if you like, who, who denied Jesus. There was Judas. Uh, and and his went even further, and Peter's, and he denied you know, his denial of Jesus three times. And yet, what did Jesus say to him? He says, um, Peter, Satan, desi- uh, Satan uh, desired to sift you like wheat, mm. and yet I prayed for you that your faith might not fall, your faith may not fall, or faith may not fail. And so, Christ's prayers for us, um, they help us to put sin to death. And so in that very real sense, as Christ intercedes for us at the Father's right hand, as we as we seek Christ, as we, um, as Hebrew says, as uh, we, we have a throne uh, of mercy that, that, you know, that we boldly approach, that we may find mercy and grace to help in our time of need. In that context, it's talking about temptation and sin, right? In our time of need, we boldly go, mm-hmm. um, not arrogantly, but boldly through Christ to that throne of grace. So 
Christ being united to him, being able to go to him for help um, is, is, is one of the essential things. And you can only do that if you're a Christian. Mm. But the next thing is that, that you have the spirit of the living God within your heart. Uh, if you read Romans 8, and Romans 8 is a <laughs> brilliant chapter, uh, the preaching out of our church, uh, is, he says it's his favorite chapter. Uh, I think it ranks up there uh, for me. But um, it says, uh, Romans 8, uh, verse 13, says, For if you live according to the flesh, and flesh there is, is, is according to your sinful nature, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Uh, and earlier in there it says, uh, For those who live according to the flesh, set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their mind on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Mm. Um, and so there's an element there. When we, when we become a Christian, it says that we... Uh, that the law of the spirit of life, even in Romans 8 again, it says the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death, right? Um, so we can now, by God's help, obey him. And our righteousness never merits us the kingdom of God. It never merits us heaven or anything before God. And yet we can now obey God from the heart as a Christian. So not only are we in, not only are we in union with Christ, but we have the spirit of God. Mm. Now, actively, what, what does this look like as Christians? So, so we, we seek God, um, we, we ask Him for help, and that is the fundamental thing that we do because at the end of the day, any spiritual strength is from Him. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but the Bible tells us to set our mind here on, on the things of the Spirit. It says to, to, to fill our mind and fix our mind on things which are pure uh, and excellent and trustworthy uh, and pure and, 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 and worthy of praise, as it says in Philippians 4. Um, and it says... In Romans 12, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, this sinful world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And so there's a constant renewing of our mind which has mm. to happen as we as we take in God's Word. Um, and, and, and God's Word will, will, will show us our sin, but it also show us how we would please God. Um, I guess one last thing um, is that uh, if you read the, um, the letters of Paul, he continually talks about a putting off mm. and a putting on. Uh, and you put off our old self, and we put on our new self, yeah. um, created, recreated, if you like, in the image of Christ in true righteousness and holiness. We put off our old sinful practices, and we put on our new, um, our new um, fruit of the spirit, um, deeds of righteousness. In that sense, uh, and so if you even just read Galatians, where it talks about um, the the uh, fruit of the spirit um, and 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 the deeds of the flesh. Uh, you, you'll see some lists of sins there, and they're not comprehensive, mm. but, but yeah, they're mm. a good guide. Yeah. If you are struggling in, in, in those things, reach out to someone as well that you trust in, uh, in your faith and you know someone that you know is going to get behind you and beside you and encourage you especially in the word and they're not just going to let it fly off and go, no, nah, it's all good, but mm. actually uh, bring... Uh, loving rebuke if it's needed. Uh, I think having accountability is a very necessary part of our walk and uh, I think it's something that's neglected. Uh, but a big way to help overcome sin is don't do it alone. Not don't sin alone, uh, <laughs> but don't don't go through this life alone. Uh, have people that you trust that are going to help you out, uh, that you can just talk to them. Hey, I, I'm, I'm going through this. 
well, here I am, here's some scripture to help you through and let's come over. Uh, is it, what's the quote? Idle hands is the devil's work or devil's play. Devil's or something. tools or something. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> if you're idle, if you, especially in quarantine, mm. how easy it is to not do the things of God. Uh, there's too many distractions and earthly vices. Uh, find someone, I mean, I know you can't really go and hang out with someone, but mm. you know, Zoom them, Skype them, FaceTime them. There's plenty of ways to stay in touch with uh, fellow brothers and sisters. Uh, 1 John 1 8. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Uh, some popular preachers like to believe that they are sinless, that they are sin free, that they are no longer sinners. Uh, and we know that Joyce Meyer is one of those people uh, that. Um, is quite popular and that can become a a theology well I'm now free from sin Uh, does that mean if we're like yeah I'm free from sin even though we've discussed that we are still sinners uh, does that mean that the truth is not in us when we say that like is are we not saved if we say I'm no longer a a sinner Mm. yeah so um, yeah you're definitely right in terms of Uh, reading from that passage, there's a strong element in 1 John where it says, if you abide in sinning, uh, you are not of God. Mm. Uh, And yet at the same time, uh, so it says, whoever practices righteousness is of God. And so the the clear mark of a Christian is that they're striving for holiness. Um, And yet one of the marks of a Christian is that he sees his sin. Um, And that, that is very important because if you are... Um, not seeing your sin, if you if you think that you are uh, sinless, then I the the Bible's witness here and, and elsewhere is that you that you're not saved. Mm. It could it could be that the Lord will save you, but it could be you're under a time of deception, and maybe you, you've um, you've been taken in by by false teaching. Um, but one of the things that we see again and again in Scripture is that God, when if you if you were to truly see God. The first thing that you recognize about yourself is that you're a sinner, and so the very and you know, you see it in Isaiah and Isaiah six where he where he essentially says, "Woe is me!" Right? He calls a doom upon himself. Yeah. You know, Peter says when he when he sees a a mighty act of Christ in stilling the storm. Uh, sorry, with the um with the with the fish, I think it was uh, where he says, "Depart from me, Lord, I'm a mm. sinful man." Uh, John falls down as though dead, and 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 you know when he sees the ascended, um, glorious Christ, um, Peter's flabbergasted in the Mount of Transfiguration mm. uh, and starts saying silly things. And so um, th- there's an element again and again in Scripture where, when we see God, when we know God, when we see His character, we see how far we fall short. Mm. And so, if you think you are sinless, then you don't know God. Um, it's simple as that because one of the one of the marks of a child of God is not that he's free from sin, but that he sees his sin, mm. uh, and 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 that's important to to, to see because uh, often as Christians we we can sometimes um, have doubts uh, and we can sometimes think I'm struggling with this sin. What? How would God ever accept me? And mm. um and uh, and you know we start actually. Um, thinking that God will accept us based on our works again, uh, subtly, if you know what I mean, um, or because of, or won't accept us because of our sin. Mm. Um, but one of the things often people will say to me, but you know, what happens if I fall into sin? I keep mm. falling into sin, and I'll say, then keep repenting. Yeah, because 
It's one thing to know your sin, and that, that is a prerequisite for being a Christian. But just because you feel guilty doesn't make you a Christian. It's what you do with that guilt. Mm. And repentance, biblical repentance, not just feeling sorry because you're, you're guilty or feeling sorry because you're caught, but you should then run to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the, the way the Bible works is this, is that when God's Spirit works in your heart, He convicts, as, as John 16 says, He convicts the world of sin Right, our sin, righteousness—that's Christ's righteousness—and judgment. Um, what our uh, sin will, will, will bring us to if we do not trust in Christ, uh, and what the devil has had—he's um, been judged by Christ. Um, and the Spirit convicts us of sin, and yet the thing is, God still—the Bible says—convicts the ungodly. Mm. In, in Jude, it says um, that He convicts the ungodly of their of their deeds. And so, there's an element where you can be convicted of your sin and not be a Christian. Now, conviction of sin is a prerequisite. As I said, it doesn't make you a Christian. And yet it's what you do. Mm. And it's what the Spirit of God does in you after that conviction. Now, that conviction of sin can be good or can be bad. It can either lead you, when your sin is exposed, it can either lead you away from Christ. Mm. Right? And that's John, John 3 talks about how uh, the wicked hate to come to the light. They, they don't want their sin mm. exposed. And so they, they, they come away from Christ. They come away from him who is the light. Uh, and, and then they push their sin down and, and, and numb themselves and harden their hearts. And yet the one who is a Christian, at the, from the moment of his salvation, and, and from for, for forever until he is glorified, so, so when he goes to heaven, dies and goes to heaven, or when Christ comes back, he will be living a constant life of repentance. So that whenever he sees his sin, it drives him again and again to God mm. in Christ Jesus. And he, he, he's not content with letting his sin fester, but he comes to Christ for forgiveness. And right after that verse that you said, it, it gives this wonderful promise. It says, mm. if we confess our sin, yeah. he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, all unrighteousness. Such a, a beautiful promise. Um, and so if we if we say we have no sin, um, it says the truth is not in us. And then in another verse, it says we make God out to be a liar. Yeah, it's the verse after. I know. It, it's such it's, a great passage. It's, and John's not, he's not pulling any punches here. Yeah. Uh, and so I encourage you, if you are um, someone who's been convicted by sin, let it lead you to Christ. Mm. Run to him and repent of that sin now and, and 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 don't don't let it fester and don't don't let it grow mm. yeah that's where i want to head to with <clears throat> this next question uh the the balance between grace and sin because often we can see people use it as an excuse well god <laughs> uh, you know he gives us grace so i can keep on sinning and then when i get to my deathbed i'll repent or i'm a christian and i you know i can live the way i want because jesus paid it but that's not acceptable right like that's yeah is there a balance of yes there's grace i guess there is because we we talk like we we continually come to it but Mm. uh can you explain and unpack that a little bit Mm. yeah um yeah i guess that that mentality of of i'll just repent on my deathbed Mm. um saved no one ever (laughs) uh there are people who are saved in the deathbed but if you think right now i'm going to put it off Mm. uh then God will just look at you and say, you are a religious or irreligious hypocrite. Mm. Um, again, God looks at the heart. Mm. Um, and so uh, the thing is, a, a true Christian never plays around, never messes around with sin. They hate sin. Mm. Sin is what crucified their yeah. Lord and Savior. 
they they abhor sin just as much in that sense as God does. Uh, I say that that with caution because God perfectly in that sense hates it. But but we take on um, the things of God, right? God gives us a new heart which loves righteousness, which loves to obey God, uh, and and hates wickedness, hates anything that grieves God, uh, hates anything which which put Christ uh, to death and set and sent him to the cross. Um, and so uh, any Christian will hate sin and they won't be saying, you know, what, I'll just repent later and live mm. like I am now. The Bible says if you love the world, uh, if you love this sinful world, you are an enemy of God. Mm. So if that's you, you're an enemy of God mm. in, in, in that sense that if you, if you think you don't need to repent and you can put it off, mm. the Bible says you're an enemy of God because you want your sin. You want, you want to love the world. You, you don't want to love the things of God. There's, there's no repentance. So uh, I don't know that that may sound harsh, but that's that's the way the way the Bible says, and um, it doesn't leave you. The Bible doesn't leave you with a false assurance. Mm. It wants you to be saved in that sense. Yeah. And I think one of the things in that, uh, when someone's like, oh, "I'll just put it off," how do you know when you're going to die? <laughs> how how do you know you're going to live till ninety? Could be sudden. It could be like that, and yeah. you're gone. So why put it off? Mm. If you know and you're, you're convicted of it, uh, and there's a knowing there. Uh, and you, you're choosing to turn away, turn to Christ. Uh, don't put it off. We see so many people. I was like that. I, I, I was happily going out into the clubs and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just repent later, like tomorrow when I go to church. And and I would turn up to church hungover or still drunk. Uh, and and I'd be like, yeah, it's all sweet because. I've got like Jesus paid for it on the cross, mm-hmm. uh, and I wasn't truly convicted mm-hmm. or repentant, uh, and it was it was a bittersweet moment. It was bitter because because uh, I realized all that I had done wrong in God's eyes, and mm-hmm. how I uh, was so such an enemy of God. But it was sweet because mm-hmm. because Jesus paid yeah. for that sin on the cross, and mm-hmm. I don't have to. Uh, keep living that way and it's and yeah it's glorious that mm. uh, that he would do that for sinners like like us uh, it's, it's amazing grace it is very amazing grace I actually really love that song. Uh, it's a wonderful thing <laughs> yeah. except the amount of remixes that are done and how <laughs> many different versions of it done by uh, Chris Tomlin <laughs> I think he's done about a hundred different versions Look, some people some people give it a hard time I like yeah. the original but yeah uh, my chains are gone. Yeah, I think when you realise that you're the wretch yeah. that that song refers to, uh, there's a humbling. Oh, yeah, that happens. It's it's good. Uh, it's I'll quote this verse. It's from Isaiah. It says, "For this is the one to whom I look, to him who is lowly and contrite mm. spirit, and, and and trembles at my word." And you know, it says God dwells in a highly and holy place, and with him who is of a lowly and contrite spirit, so he dwells in heaven. And he dwells in who? Those who are humble, mm. right? Lowly and contrite, right? They're, they're broken and mourn over their sin. Yeah. That is a good note to finish the episode on. We could go for a long while and we might revisit the topic of sin because there's so much more to unpack. Maybe we'll get more of a list of what sins look like and how you know. But uh, thank you, Josh, for your insight and, uh, and your encouragement. Uh, it's definitely it's helped myself uh, I mean it definitely brings to light areas that I still haven't brought in alignment with with God's will uh, that I can keep uh, putting those sins to death um, and I, I 
I hope and I pray that for you listening, uh, it has done the same. Uh, if you need to reach out to someone, you can always reach out to uh, to myself on Instagram. Uh, the The handle is at Pilgrims Podcast, or you can go to my personal handle at Mr Ash Adams. I'll happily be there for you in uh in any encouraging way i can and hopefully help you um go through whatever it is you're going through uh there are people out there that that want to help it's uh it's one beggar to another telling you where to get bread it really is uh and so pilgrims on that note we're going to end it thank you for tuning in uh we will see you next time on the show thank you for tuning in